fiber of our being for you to have control of our lives of the situations things that we can't handle Lord the pressures that are upon us Father Lord we just want to commit it to you and to give it to you Father for Lord we know you're able to handle it we know you know the answers Lord and we're thankful Lord we're so thankful Father for the report Lord of Brother Ron and what you're doing in his body and his life we're just so thankful, Lord. You're still the healer. You're still the deliverer, Lord. You still move in impossible situations. Oh, God, thank you, Father. That's now you bless us this evening, Lord. You'd speak to our hearts. You'd touch us, Lord. Direct us. Lord, you know those that are listening, the hearts cry, Father, even across the land. Lord, across the waters, places we can't get to and we can't go to right now, but... Lord, it's not necessary that we go or we be there with our physical presence because, Lord, we know there's angels that can go in places that men forbid, Lord, and jail houses, bars and gates. Angels just go right into where they're at. And Lord, and minister and move among them, Lord, as you did Peter and Paul and Silas. Lord, I know there's those that are suffering, Father, in places... Lord, that we can't get to, but Lord, we know the angels of God can come to them tonight and minister to them, Lord, and lift them up, Lord, and Lord, and drive away the old spooky spirits and the old things that are haunting them, and Lord, and put a joy in their heart, we pray. We commit this to you, Lord, in this service in your hands, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's turn to James chapter 4. Amen. Just want to pick up on the thought again of submit yourselves therefore to God submit yourself therefore to God it says here in James chapter 4 and verse 7 submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he will flee from you amen we'll let you be seated this evening also want to read from Romans 6 and verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. And notice this verse, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now we know also uh, the Lord Jesus would say that no man could serve two masters. 
So you're either going to yield yourself to one or to the other. And we know when you get down to the uh, bare bones of the whole thing that we're dealing with today, there's two powers. There's God and there's Satan. And, and you know, we can look at Satan, and Satan has very, very many faces and very many, uh, very, a lot of spirits and things he attacks in different ways. Some that he can use against you that don't necessarily work against me. And, and, and he tries to find out what works according to our human nature and how that we are built. And so he tries to come in those areas, but we know, as, we, as he said, no man can serve two masters. So Paul is speaking here, and he's saying, whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey. Whether it's sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness, but God be thanked. Think that you are the servant, that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So I'd like to also look at mainly three words tonight yield or submit, yield, and commit. You know, what will we yield to? What, what are we yielding ourselves to? Or what are there, or in other words, what are we permitting or granting rulership over us? Is it fear or regrets or past or, or failures of the past or past hurts or pain inflicted by others? Or, or are we yielding to the complexes and the hurt and that's caused from the pain? Or, you know, well, you say, well, I, I can handle it. You may handle it for a little bit, but sooner or later, you, your, your, your extent of your strength will run out. You say, well, I can carry it. Well, you can carry that for a little bit, but sooner or later, the strength that you have on your own, you'll wear out and, and you'll find yourself crashed somewhere. Or, or, or we, will we yield ourselves to God and allow Him with the un unlimited strength, the unlimited stamina, or the unlimited abilities, allow Him to take our burdens and our pains away from us and, and to deal with them. You know, as long as we think that we can do it, we can't do it. But as long as we, when we can get to a place where we know we can't do it and yield ourselves to God, then he can do it. Amen. I'm thankful when I can get, I love that when I'm able to get to that place. You know, we all come to places in our lives that we come to, as is said, the metaphor or whatever is said to the end of our road or end of our rope. And we get to the place where we don't know where to go or how to go or how to handle something. Or, or you know, we just kind of finally get to that spot where we take our hands off the wheel or we take our hands off of it. That's when God can move on your behalf. That's when, then if it's us trying to do it, we'll fail. We'll come to the end of our strength. We'll come to the end of our stamina. We'll come to the end of our abilities. We'll come to the end, but God never comes to the end of his strength. He never has an end to his abilities. He never has a end to his stamina. Amen. He still can carry you through. He still can move. He still can move in obstacles. Amen. He still can do all of those things. It's the only thing God cannot do in that 
that's fail. Hallelujah. He can do anything else but fail. We can fail. Governments can fail. People can fail. Daddies, mamas can fail. Children can fail. Amen. But one thing God cannot do is fail. Amen. There's one thing he can't do that's fail. He can do anything else but fail. And so as long as we're trying in ourselves and we're depending upon our own abilities, we'll do nothing. Amen. But when we get to the place that we know we're nothing, then God can use us. God can use us. Amen. The important thing, now this is an important thing to master in here in our lifetime, and sometimes it takes a lifetime to master. Amen. But some he says, you know, Brother Brown said, speak of it like this. He says, see, he said, especially us, you young preachers, or but he said, even lay members alike. There's one thing we've got to master if we expect to fulfill God's desire in our life. And I, I think that's where it comes down to it is the war between our desire and God's desire. And he said, but if we come down and we expect to fulfill God's desire in our life, we have to master the thought of human ability. Well, it's my abilities. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to do the best. I, I'm going to we get this drive in us. I got to do this. I got to do this. But it comes to the point that we have to master the thought of human ability. That human ability, no matter if you're the best basketball player or the best athlete or, or the best this or best that, you have a limit to your abilities. You have, the, have a limit to what you can do or what you can achieve or what you can accomplish. But we serve a God as as we said has no limits there's no limitations on him so he can take you places further and greater than you could ever take yourself he can provide for you more and greater than what you could ever provide for yourself he can do more for you than what you can do for yourself amen so if you ever get to the spot that we think we can do it in our own intelligence our own abilities uh, we got to master that in such a way to where we can lay that aside and so God can use us right then. It takes a complete surrender. Right. Amen. That's a hard thing to do is surrender self and, and to surrender the thought of I can or I will or, you know, and, and, and even the age that we're living, living, living in is very much geared on, on human abilities and the, uh, and the lifting up or the exalting of human abilities. You know, never has there been an age to where there's been an exalting of, of the human ability to, you know, to shoot a basketball or to throw a thing or, or to kill an animal or to do this or do that. It's always, I got the best. I've done the best. I've done this. And now we got all the platforms to put out all the I things, you know. And so, but, it, but this is completely opposite to what God wants. God wants a body of people that he can use that will yield themselves and yield their mind, yield their spirits, use their bodies, whatever. And so completely surrendered to where it's not God, not you doing it, but it's God doing it inside of you. See, we cannot use one ability. We got to make a complete surrender. And to come to God, you got to surrender him both body, our, our body, soul, and spirit. Everything that you are has to be surrendered to God in order that he can work his will in you and in me. It's hard. 
It's a hard thing. This human nature, well, I, I got this and I got that. Or, you know, we, we got these hurts and we got these pains and, and we want to hold it because we're holding it. We think we're holding something or we're not letting them out of their faults or out of their failures, you know, and out of what somebody did to us. But truly in holding all of that, you're the one that's truly the prisoner. You're held by those things. And the best thing to do is let them go. Amen. And so, but all of this in, in our mind and our spirit and our body, amen, every part must be surrendered to God. Some people can give their, their bodies and some people can give their minds and some people, but God wants it all. Amen. I love the sermon Brother, Brother Donnie preached. We listened to it a few weeks ago on the danger of an unsurrendered heart. Amen. Samson could surrender his body. Amen. This one could surrender this, but God wants everything. And I, I, I want him to have everything in my life. I want him to have every facet because I know that he'll take me further than I can take myself. He can lift me higher than I can lift myself. He can move me in places that I can't get and I can't go. God can do things beyond the human abilities or the human understanding or what a human can manufacture. God can go so far beyond all of that. Hallelujah. But see, we see we're always wanting to put our part into it. You don't have that, well, I did this or I did that. Something that we know, you know, that that's what we want. You know, well, I just know it should be done this way. But as long as you're doing it that way, it's going to come out wrong. Uh Uh-oh. God will never use that effort. Maybe with the help of the Lord, he says, we're going to show you, amen, how God cannot use your abilities, but he can use your availability. Hallelujah. Amen. We want to give a, you know, but God, as I said, wants everything. But if you can give him your abilities... Then and also give him your availability and you can let him use it, then God can do something with it. But you know, he said there's so much put upon the experiences of a of a seminary or some education or upon a relationship or a fellowship, or we rest upon somebody else, or or we rest upon men with abilities. And he said, the Bible says, How can you have faith when you're preferring one another? So when we're expecting saying this guy, he's a great person, or that's a great person. I lean on them. That displeases God. We must lean on God and God alone. This is why you see people that fall away when a minister falls away or, or they, get, they, they get all delusion and, and turned upside down because some great minister fell off the side of the earth and walked away from the word of God. Amen. What was it? Their eyes or their abilities was on the wrong person. And they was drawing strength from the wrong person. God is a jealous God. He wants you for himself. Amen. Your mind for himself. Your body for himself. Your soul for himself. Your heart for himself. He wants everything of us. Amen. And so when our minds are upon our eyes or our heart is upon a man and his abilities or his ministry or his ability to sing or this, that, and the other, when they fall off somewhere or they hurt us in some way, then we become disillusioned. But listen, God is trying to tell you, get your eyes off the man. He may have done you wrong. He may have done wrong. And he probably did do wrong. Oh, dirty human being that he is. But listen, that's not what we look at. We look at what God did for us. And what God is doing for us. And how God is moving in our hearts and our lives. How God is changing me. Man is not doing this. God is doing this. Hallelujah. 
Amen. So people start trusting. You know, they put their trust in the ability of a man. And then that man will do something to abuse that trust. That man will do something to hurt that. Amen. And then they'll go through years of pain and suffering because that trust, was what they thought was a godly man, what they thought was a good man, what they thought was a, a righteous man, and he does something. Amen. And it causes an issue. He said, what is it? We must yield ourselves not to man, but to God. Because God is not going to break your trust. God is not going to do something to wound you, to hurt you. You know, I, I wrote a letter here the other day as I sent a pen to somebody as a gift and, and, and was made this, on, it was just to come on my heart and they'd been wounded uh, uh, by a facet of the message, a denomination of the message, I guess I could say. And they'd been really wounded by people and I knew the wounds that they had because I've dealt with many of them that's had these same wounds from this same stuff. And, and I just wrote in my letter to them, I said, you know, listen, what we go through many times and the hurts that we face and the things that we face in our lives, many times, and I, you know, and the, it, you know it's, not, it's not what God did to us. It's what man did to us. Right. Amen, man, I do you wrong. Amen. A human a man is nothing but a brute beast without the Holy Ghost. He will do you wrong. Amen. Now, a man with the Holy Ghost, he won't do you wrong. And if he does, he'll repent for it. If he sees he made a mistake, he'll come to you and say, hey, I'm sorry about that. I shouldn't have done that. But these others, you know, they go right on and they make excuses for why they do things and how they operate and how, what, what they did. And some of them committing sins and things in their lives and, and, and making excuses for it and living with it and hurting people. But listen, you can't look at that. You got to turn back to God. You got to yield yourself to God and say, God, I can't look at this stuff because when I look at it, I get down, I get depressed, I get, I get away from it. But I want to turn my eyes back to what you did for me. And what you did for me is not betray me. What you did for me is not hurt me. What you did for me is you gave your life for me. Amen. Hallelujah. But when we get our eyes upon a seemingly great person, oh, I can lean upon them. That displeases God. We must lean upon God and God alone. We must trust the ability. We must not trust the ability of ourselves or any man. Hello. We must completely yield to God. No ability. I don't care whose it is, he said, who will ever be usable in the sight of God. God has to get all of our abilities out of the way before he can achieve his purpose. If he's got something for us to do, and as long as we feel we're doing a pretty good job of it, we'll never be used of God. You know, I have truly found that some of the sermons that touch the people the most, and when I walked out the back door and I said, that was a terrible job. That was horrible. I don't even know if I want to preach anymore. And you get all these kind of feelings going through. And you realize this one was touched. That one was dealt with. That heart was dealt with. And you realize, yeah, right. That's right, God. It wasn't me anyhow. Amen. It never has anything to do with me. I don't want it to ever have anything. Any true called God, God called man never wants it to have anything to do with him. All he can do is yield. This is what the prophet of God would say of himself and the gift that God would use in such a great magnitude in this hour. He said, the only thing I have to do with this is yield. I yield to him and he speaks. I yield to him and he does this. It is him that doeth the work. 
Hallelujah. And any Christian, amen, that ought to be our heart's cry. All I have to do with this is I yield. And God does it for me. He moves through me. He says, if you got something for us to do, as long as we feel we're doing a good job of it, we'll never be used of God. He said, well, you're making an awful broad statement, Brother Branham. He said, that is a broad one. But look around and find out if it's not right or not. Look around today, all the great achievement we think we've done. Where is Christianity in the United States? Look at all of our churches, denomination, evangelists, healing campaigns, everything else worse than it ever was in the beginning. It's worse off today than it ever was because we tried to do it in human abilities. Amen. They gather together. They make long prayers. They go out. And how the other day says so many, 150,000 or something gather together, both Protestant and Catholic, saying some prayers, praying some prayers, making some prayers, so forth. They might as well not gather. It's not worth nothing in the sight of God. He said, well, if I get critical, forgive me. But you got you to drive the thing down. What good did it do? Nothing. It'll never be until every person that pro professes to be a Christian will forget his own ability and yield himself to God. Then God can achieve his purpose by sending, amen, well, not a revival, but brother, what he needs to do is first send a killing. Oh, hallelujah. Then we can revive. We have to die before we can be born again. Amen. He needs to kill. We need to. He needs a killing of ourselves. The tabernacle needs a killing, and me with it. Amen. Hello, that was, that was the prophet of God, and me with it. All of us. We need a killing so we can be revived in a new life, a new hold, a new hope, a new experience. We need first a day, a good day of mourning. All right. Yes. Mercy. Amen. We need a place of yielding to the Spirit. Instead of so much depending on schooling or upon our programs and our campaigns and all that we have, we rely upon corporation so much with different ministers to cooperate. We allow this. He said, if we can get so many, we won't do it. If we don't get so many, we won't do it. We won't go to the cities without that. We got this great big machine, all this stuff happening. We got to get out of the way from that, that human ability. We got to get to the place where we receive. We now surrender our souls. We surrender our lives, even to the housewife, to the farmer, to the mechanic, whoever it is, so completely surrender to God. God and know that we are nothing. Then let God start from there. And then he starts moving and working. And that includes all of us. Every one of us, he says. That's the thing we've got to do. Mercy. He says, history proves God always chooses the nobodies to become his somebodies. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The song that they just come out with, I, I really like. It says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody. Amen. He's the somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. He's the somebody. But we get in and we get into such a struggle. How, how can I make this work? How can I do this? And we got our minds running a million miles an hour. Sometimes we can't even sleep at night because we're trying to figure it all out. And things are going in our minds and running. Yield. All right. Give it to God. 
He'd put it very simply like this, and how can I overcome? He said, it's just like putting a little baby's arm in a sleeve hole. He's just up and down. You ever seen a baby try to get their arm, you know, <laughs> or even up, up one, two years old trying to get their head. Sometimes their head comes out the armhole or this, that, and the other. And, and he says, trying to put it up, down, over everything, and, you're, and you can't do it. You just say, well, put your coat on, honey. He can't do it. Little arms up, down, around. It takes your steady hand. That's it. Right. Right. And he says, oh, how glad I am. I can just yield my hand to the Father. And say, Lord Jesus, I can't get it in there. You help me put the coat on. I quit trying and just let him do it. He said, if a little baby keeps trying, oh, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. You know, my, one of my little kids would be like that. Oh, I can do, you know, they, they get a little age on them. They want to try to do it for themselves. And like I said, sooner or later, they finally come out of the room and a lot of times their head's out the arm pockets and their clothes are all kind of different ways. And sooner or later, they do figure it out. But you know the stages that they go through. And then you go through the, I can do it. I can do it. And God's saying, just let me have it. I can do it. I can handle it. Let me have it. I can do it. Let me have it. He says, he says, see, he's just there and he can't do it. And he said, neither can I and neither can you. But if you'll just hold still and let him do it, just yield to him. Here, Lord, here I am. Just let be nothing. Me, me, nothing. I yield. You put my hand in the right place. And let me tell you, if you'll give your hand to him, every time he places it, it will be in the right place. God ain't gonna try to put your hand out of a head hole or out of another place, a leg hole somewhere. God knows exactly where your hand's supposed to be and your head's supposed to be and your feet goes. He knows all about you. He knows all about your life. And he said, if you'll just say, Lord, you put my hand in the right place, that's the victory. That's the overcoming. The thing you have to overcome is yourself, your idea, your thing, and surrender yourself to him, and he overcome for you. He knows the way. Oh, I know a man who knows the way through the wilderness. He knows the way. We don't. He says, then he stops and he says, now, don't struggle. Not him that willeth or him that runneth, but God. That's it. Just let God do it. Yeah. Amen. What am I supposed to do with all this pain? Give it to God. He'll put it in the right place. What am I supposed to do with these complexes? Give it to God. Right. What am I supposed to do with my fear and my anxiety? Give it to God. Right. Yield. Say, Lord, I can't handle this. But here's my hand. Here's my heart. Here's my body. You put it in the right place. Just let God, just yield yourself to him. Walk on with that perfect, satisfied faith. Hallelujah. I so enjoyed Sunday service. Of faith's anchoring place. Eternal resting place. Where faith rests. Amen. That your faith rests and God will do it. Amen. God can handle it. Yes. God's word won't fail. 
and he won't fail. What God has promised, he's able to perform. He says, it's not just running and joining this or running and doing that and running and running and walking and doing this. Just yield yourself to God. Walk with him. Peaceful, quiet, uninterrupted. Hello. Huh. I hope that's what you've been using this time for, walking with God. Uninterrupted. Just keep on walking with him. That's right. Is that's what I told our brother just had the breakdown. Now listen to this. Just had the breakdown. Just yield to him. He's here. He who knew, he who knew what you have done and what caused you being and doing this way and everything about it. He knows all about you. Well, if I can just sink in, a lot of pieces start flowing. He knows what's been done. <laughs> he knows what you've been through. He knows what's making you work to be the way you are and doing the way you are. He knows all about you now. And he says, the only thing you have to do is just go do it. Do this. Forget all about the past. Walk. Live for the future. Hello, did you hear me? Live for the future. I ain't talking about live for the future of 2020. Or 2021 or 2030, 40, whatever we're going to end up with. I don't know. That ain't the future that he's talking about. Live for the future in glory. <laughs> Boy, that will change a lot of our attitudes of everyday life was living for that future. Many times we're living for the future, the future 401k or the future this, that, and the other, future job promotion, future this, and our future is very limited because our eyesight is limited. Don't, I want you to understand if you walk by these eyes, your future is limited. If you walk with this eyesight alone and all you can see is this, that, and the other around you, your future is limited. But if your eyesight can be changed from eyes of flesh unto eyes of faith, and you begin to look beyond all the things that's going on around us and, and the chaos around us and the problems all around us and the situations all around us and they ain't all of us in the whole world if, that we could do anything about it if we wanted to. And we do want to. And there ain't nothing we can do about it. But my eyes are not going to continue to look right here around me. But God, I want my eyes to look into my future. And then when you start looking into that future, this around here changes. Your focus changes and your worries change and the things around you change because you're not living for just right now. You can realize I got a greater future. Hallelujah. And you forget all the past and you keep walking and living for the future and glory and the presence of God. Now, there is a perfect way and there's a permissive way. 
And then Brother Branham talking about that in this situation here. He says, I feel that if God <clears throat> here on the platform can show me things that's being in my rooms and so forth, he's able to tell me just where he wants me and what he wants me to do. But I feel as long as I've got it all hooked up and I, or I feel like when he won't, put, I, he won't put his hands on it as long as I'm doing it. He said, that's the way it is. Anything, as long as you're doing it, it's, if someone talks about you or you talk back about them. God can't fight your battles. You're fighting it yourself. Right. <clears throat> he said, just let loose and let him do it. Yeah. Just commit it to him. And so if he's doing it, that's the perfect way. Right. Yes. But when we get our hands on it, if we ain't careful, we're going to get in the permissive way. Because it's our way and our best side, what we see fit. But God has a perfect way. And he said, let loose and let him do it and just commit it to him. He says, the greatest weapon, I know you use prayer and about four or five other things, but this is one of them. The greatest weapon that I know of a Christian has today is committal to God. Wow. How many times do we use that greatest weapon? Or do we use our own abilities? He said, because when you can't do nothing about it and you commit it to him, God will take care of it. Keep your faith there. I can't do nothing about my child. She's all out or he's out. This is out. I can't do nothing about it on my human ability and humanly speaking. I, there's nothing I can do. I'm giving it to you, God. And God will do something about it. Committed to God. I'm going to go through a few of these on committal now. Believe it. Step on it. Step out on it. Claim God's promise. Just commit it to God. Commit thy ways to the Lord. He will bring it to pass, whatever you want. But as long as you're holding it. And you're saying it's mine. And that's the way. Now I can see if now I'll see if I'm any better. Now I'll see if I can make this work. See, it won't work. You commit it to him and forget about the rest of it and go testify to the things you don't even see. And believe it, and not what you see, it's what you believe. It's not what you feel. He never said, Do you feel it? He said, Do you believe it? That's how you're saved by faith. That's how you're healed is by faith. Believe it. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things you don't see, taste, feel, smell, or hear. You just believe it and commit it and act upon it. Yes. If I tell you anything and Christ doesn't say that it's so, then don't believe it. If I tell you something that he's done and he testifies that, he, that he's done it, then you believe him. Is that fair enough? I say amen. Now the gift doesn't heal no one. Did you hear that? The gift doesn't heal no one. The gift is not for healing no more than a gospel preacher is sent for saving. He can't save anyone. Right. He can preach under the power to bring people to a knowledge of the word of God and come to, to their confession and God does a saving. That's the same thing this is. He's got a sign. He's preaching under the power that brings conviction to human heart. They come to the altar by faith. They accept Jesus and get saved and then the results come. Is that right? But when we make a committal to God and commit it to him and believe him, then the results will come. Healing's the same way. Demonology. 
He talks about committing again. He said, you committed to God. And he spoke in his word, in my name they shall cast out devils. Nothing shall harm you by no means. Then we're wrapped in the bundle of life, of the life of God, every believer. It's just like when you receive the Holy Ghost, God gives you a bank book. And at the bottom of every check, it's got Jesus' name signed on it. Just whatever you got need of, fill out the check, send it in. He'll make it good. Do you believe that? How many believes that? The the deposit was put in the bank at Calvary. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes were healed. Any of those redemptive blessings that belongs to every believer, if you're scared to fill the check out, well, it won't do you no good. But if you'll fill it out and then tear it off and put it in your pocket, it'll never do it no good. But tear it off and give it to him. Commit it to him and watch him take care of it. He used this, this, this terminology. He said, I used to have to shift for myself, but since I found him to be, in my, fa- be my father, why? He does it for me. I found out this in my 21 years of experience of preaching the gospel. Any job that's too big for my Lord to attack, what's the use of me trying it? Well, if he found that out in his experiences, I feel like it probably goes good for me too. Because <laughs> he'd come up against some pretty big stuff. You know, one time he came up this is a, uh, of a table floating. Remember that story of the table in the air that witch doctors had lifted up? And he come and used all kind of names on it. And he said, uh, you know, the name of the most higher and this, that, and the other name of this church, some different name. I don't remember all of them right off the, off the bat, but trying out different names. That table never moved. But he said, but I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come down. He said it came down so hard it like to broke off all four legs. He said that's the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If he would show us there's power in the name of Jesus Christ to bring a table back to the ground and he's, and he's worried enough and concerned enough to back up his name when it's called upon to bring a table down to the ground, don't you think that he's concerned enough to call when he's called upon in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring your cancer down, to bring your sugar diabetes down, to bring your blood pressure down, to bring whatever demon that's oppressing you, to bring him crashing to the ground? That's what he's, he has committed enough to his name that he would bring a table down I know he's just as committed to his name when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and fever has to leave and and sin has to go and depression and fears and anxieties at the name of Jesus Christ has to fall prostrate and submit to the name of Jesus Christ He he said when I come something too big And he said, if I find anything too big for my Lord to attack, what's the use of me trying it? I just give it to him, commit it to him. He promised to take care of me. Everyone here tonight, he promised to take care of you. Everyone on the stream tonight, he promised to take care of you. You say, well, I ain't got nobody to take care of me. I'm by myself. No, you're not. He promised to take care of you. 
And I can tell you one thing, he'll take care of you better than any daddy, better than any mama, better than anybody that around you, any kin folks, any church. He'll take care of you better than any brother, any friend. This God has never forsook one of his loved ones. One of his children, amen, if a bird can't fall to the ground and God don't know about it, God knows when that demon's attacking you. God knows when you're going through that thing. And at the name of Jesus Christ, it has to fall. When opposition comes, I commit it to him because he said he would do it for me. And if he can't do it, I know there's no need in me trying it. But the problem is, a lot of us say, well, I, I got this. You know, especially in the hour that we're living in, young people especially put on that facade of, I'm cool. You know, I got this. There's nothing wrong with me. You ask them, what's it? Nothing. I got it. You know, they try to be cool because they're afraid. They show these hurts or these pains. It would, it would make them less cool or less strong or less something. But listen, on the inside, they're all tore up and hamburger meated out. Seemed like just tore up and went through a grinder and spirits are attacking them on the inside. If they can just be honest and say, God, I ain't got this. I, I don't have it. I, I can't handle it. I'm giving it to you. God will take care of it. <laughs> he said, and so if, he'll, if I know he'll take care of it because he said he would, I know there's no need in me trying it, so we might as well, he said, and there's no need in us trying it, so we might as well live peaceably and go on. He'll bring it all out right. I ought to put some step in us as we leave tonight or we turn off the stream tonight. That we ought to just say, you know what? I'm just going to live peaceably. He's going to bring it out all right. He's going to take care of it. There's no need of getting all fretted and stewed up about it. The Lord knew I needed that. Because these goofy restrictions they're putting on us about this church, I'm just starting to get against my red-blooded American male syndrome. Amen. Uh, you know, somewhere about 1776, they signed a paper that lifted all restrictions. Right. Amen. Anyhow, and you get all stewed up and you get all mad and angry and there ain't nothing you can do about it seemingly, but I'm going to give it to God. Yeah, yeah. God sees what's going on and they ain't going to get by with none of it. He's just going to make it all right. I love him for that. Yeah. Hallelujah. I love him for that. He says, you know, the doctor may say you can't get well. But what does God say? Right. God said I could. Yeah. You know, it really, God's word is not dependent upon what percentage the doctor gives you to live. It ain't dependent upon if it's a bad case of cancer, a good case of cancer, bad, high, high blood sugar, sugar, whatever, whatever kind of disease, whatever. His word is not dependent upon what the doctor's diagnosis is. His word says you can. Therefore, I can, I will, I do believe. His word said I can, so I can. His word said I do, so I do. His word said I belong to believe, so I believe. Amen. This word, this what we're singing is not some man's word or some man's decree. It is God's word. And God said I could. If you're sick tonight, God's word says you can be healed and he will heal you according to his word. 
You say, well, I'm still sick as I was last night. That don't make a bit of difference. Just makes you stronger. Believe. Be more of a miracle tomorrow night if it's for me to get it. See, that's when that's, he said, when you say amen to that, he said, that's Abraham's seed. Don't stagger at the promises of God. The doctor did all he could do, and that's all he can do. But God hasn't done all he can do. That's shouting grounds right there. And I want you to understand when the devil has done all he can do, that's all he can do. He has limitations. He has limited power. As we said, if he had enough, he would bring enough, but he ain't got enough. Amen. But God's got enough. And when he moves, he moves. Amen. When he moves upon that cancer, that cancer's got to flee. When he moves on that high blood pressure and he moves on those things around and the things around this or on your body or whatever's going on in your mind and your spirit, when God moves, God moves and it will flee. Because God has yet done all he can do. He still has more power. It's unlimited. Mercy. <laughs> he says here, let me go back. Any job that's too big for God, I can't tackle. I just commit it to him and go on. He says many times person will accept him as their healer and they'll go out and are ashamed to confess him. You should never be ashamed to confess him. You should never be ashamed of him. He said, my people will never be ashamed. You should never be ashamed. No matter what takes place, you should be right up in front to stand on your testimony. For God can only save you and heal you as you testify. He can only heal you as you testify. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father to make intercessions upon your confession. It isn't how loud you cry, how hard you beat the altar, how many good deeds you do. It's your faith that saves you. If you'll confess it with your lips and coming from your heart, he goes to work as a high priest sitting on the right hand of the Father to make intercession upon your confessions. Hebrews 3.1, he cannot do one thing for you until you first believe it, accept it, confess it to be so. And the people today, they go out and say, well, I felt better last night, but today I'm so bad I just can't hardly stand it. That's exactly when you lose your confession and you drop it. And no matter who you are, how saintly, how godly, if you're a minister, clergyman, if you're a deacon, whoever you are, you've been a Christian for 50 years. If you go out here tomorrow and lose faith that you're a Christian, start telling people you're not a Christian anymore, you'll backslide. He said, one, only by your confession can you be saved. That's the most powerful weapon that God put in the hand of man is committal and accept what God has done and it'll do it every time. Believe it and stay with it. Hallelujah. So much here. Let me go on down. Oh, let me, let me read this, and this isn't here too good to pass up. I've got to go back. 
didn't get it highlighted to catch my attention, but I just caught some things here. He says, talking about cancer and how it starts developing and cells starts growing. Sometimes you'll hardly know it's there and it's moving on, sucking the blood. The doctor, he said, what if the doctor can't get it? He said, I made myself clear that I respect doctors and hospitals and pray constantly for them. What, we, what would we do without them? But I'm trying to tell you what the disease is. He's talking about there's something behind this disease. And we, I mean, uh, Brother Brandon was one, uh, one that came and, and, and said it's not just cancer, it's a spirit. He identified it, what it was behind it, a demon. And he says, God seen the day coming that people would walk in unbelief like this. Mercy. This is in 57. Where are we at today? And with his love, he let us have, and with his love, he let us have doctors and hospitals. Sure he did. That's his love gift to you. So for you that don't believe in doctors, there you go. But the very first thing you should have is faith in God. That's the first thing. Amen. Amen. So therefore, what a doctor will say shouldn't shake what your faith says. And faith says he heals you. If God pronounces you to go, there ain't enough medicine in the world to keep you here. It's all in God's hands. Talking about leaving the world. But notice, he said this cancer is growing. He's sucking your blood. And the first thing you know, you start getting weaker. And the doctor says, I can do no more about it. You go to God and ask God to heal you. You make him promises that you'll do. And when you do it, you fill in your heart. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. God said that. As the prayer of faith is prayed, then you feel assured. Now watch right close now. 90%. Yes, 99 out of 100 was hope instead of faith. He said the first little symptom rise, you'll doubt it. And it goes to show it wasn't God-given faith. God-given faith won't take no for an answer. Oh, hallelujah. That's why he said, knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. God-given faith won't take no for an answer no matter what is happening. Hallelujah. You can't bluff at the devil. You can bluff him, but you got to have the goods to prove it. He, He recognizes faith. Amen. Talking about the devil, you can't bluff him. You got to have the goods to reprove it. He recognized faith. He has to. For it's the only weapon we have in our hands. Now, what produces faith is prayer. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. So, but say a person comes with a growth. The growth is prayed for. And the assurance of the Holy Ghost says it's finished. The patient goes out and the first thing you know, they feel better. What happens? Anybody knows? Anybody ever hunting big game or a body, how it starts decaying, goes through that. Amen. The human body's shrinking and these cells begin to shrink and die. First day is shrinking. The second day is shrinking. The third day, third day it begins to swell because it's contaminated and it begins to fall away. He said, that's the reason people are all stunned about Jesus being in the grave three days and nights. It was within three days and nights because David said, I'll not leave my soul in hell, neither will I suffer my Holy One to see corruption. Upon that solemn promise, Jesus said, you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up in three days. He knew that no cell could corrupt, that not one cell could corrupt, but sometime within the 72-hour time frame, God would raise him up for the prophet had said so. So you see, when these cells begin to break and it begins to come, the next day, they come back testifying, oh, I can see better, I can see better. A tumor's gone. I can feel better. But what happens? It starts getting worse. Worse. All of a sudden, oh, well, praise God. I, I guess I lost my healing. I'm so sick. I can't stand up. I lost my healing. 
He said, oh, you poor excuse. That's the best sign in the world. You got your healing. What is it? The death growth in you is breaking up. As a heart beat, it pulls the blood and it purifies the body. And the third day, usually have sickness and fever. That dead growth is laying on you, rotting away. He said, what is it? Healing is in the body. Don't give up. Keep confessing. He's my healer. Hallelujah. But it goes on down. He says, see, amen. He says, see, if sickness is a blessing, you're talking about people talking about sickness is a curse of God upon you and this, that, and the other. He said, if sickness is a blessing and Jesus came to heal the sick everywhere, then he defeated his healing and his purpose in coming. Which would you say would be a blessing? If a loving God or a father who give life or promised you a long life on the earth and you'd obey him, you come and strike you down with a devil and let him lay there on you and eat you up with bed and cancer or TB. Oh, this is God. This is God's love to me. Or would you rather say the devil struck me down and a loving God has come to heal me? Hallelujah. The loving God has come to heal me and give me life again. Jesus never did tell his disciples, never preached that anywhere, or asked the disciples to go tell people they must stay pinned down with sickness to obey him. Come on now. You don't have to stay pinned down with that devil. Hallelujah. Some of you have been pinned down with bitterness or pinned down with this or pinned down with unforgiveness. You don't have to be pinned down with some unforgiving spirit. It's time to you rebel against that thing and say, I'm a God-called son and I'm not going to bow to you, but I'm going to submit myself to Jesus Christ. People get pinned down by depression and pinned down by every kind of spirit in hell. Listen, there's a power to cast that thing out. There's a power in the name of Jesus Christ that every demon will leave trembling. Hallelujah. He didn't teach them. He didn't go around teaching or have them preach. They had to stay pinned down with sickness to obey him. He sent them to liberate the sickness. Hallelujah. To liberate them from sickness and to preach to those that are in captivity and those that are in bondage. He come to bring deliverance. He's got to be either the author of life or the author of death. If you put sickness on God and say God is making you sick to die, then you've got to make him the author of death. When death and life can associate together. (laughs) Mercy. He goes on many places. We're bringing us down. He said, if we commit everything, anything to God and believe it, like our children or whatever more, let's believe that God will answer that prayer. Amen. The day before I left to go away, the phone constantly ringing, mothers with their children saying, I pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. I said, just commit them to God. That's all you have to do. Amen. Don't put your hands on it anymore. Let God have it. If you're going to do something about it, then God will stand back and let you go ahead until you're finally finished. But when you commit it to God and let him have it, he will do it. You just believe him. Just stand back. Don't work. Just believe. Oh, my. There's so many wonderful things here. I I can't get to them all. 
This last one as we bring this, musicians could come. Committing, submitting, committing, and yielding to God. So I think of our sister sitting here, the hip trouble, on that crutch, how much power that God can give you to move up with strength and faith, to lay that crutch down and walk away without it. He's not seen that little Georgie Carter with her little limbs, wasn't much bigger than a broomstick, been laying there nine years and eight months. Couldn't move. They'd put a draw sheet under, couldn't even get, put a bedpan under. But when the power of God struck that girl, out of that bed she'd come, run down to that organ and play, Jesus, keep me near the cross. And she's living today after nine, ten years, eleven years of it now, and she's never been to been to bed only just to go to bed at night and sleep. Never been in bed like that again. Was laying there nine and a half years. Oh, me and brother Joe was actually up at brother Craig's there in Ohio when he's having some Labor Day meetings, speaking for him. And I preached. My thought was on Hattie or on this Georgie Carter lady come up to me with a picture of her first time I ever seen her in her elderly years she said I used to keep, keep house and sit with Sister Georgie before she passed away so this is her right here looked there looked at that picture smiling face thinking of a little girl that laid there for nine years couldn't get up couldn't move But under the power of God, the power of God would come and move in a heart and a body in such a way they would do impossibilities. Take her up off that bed and she'd go and play that song, go out and kiss the grass and the leaves. Just overwhelmed thinking about that. And look, sitting by on, a, on the wall behind her in that picture was a little plaque, looked like maybe a crocheted plaque or something. It said, I believe in the power of a living God. Talk her out of it. I don't know how long you've been in the condition you've been in. Maybe you've been in it nine, six, eight years, seven years, whatever. It don't matter. Maybe been 20, 40 years, all your life. There is a power in the name of Jesus that'll break every chain. It'll shatter everything that holds you, every power that binds you, every anxiety, fear, whatever it is, there is a power. Make a little girl jump out of a bed with broomstick legs. It'll make you come out of your condition. It'll make you rise again. It'll make you live. He said, at nighttime when you see me, your brother under visions, that's nothing else in the world but me submitting myself to the Holy Ghost. You that's sick now, if you can submit yourself to the Holy Ghost so completely, you will forget your sickness. Let that one soak in a minute. You will forget your sickness. You can completely submit yourself to the Holy Ghost that no affliction can hold you hallelujah and you can walk 
by the power of the Holy Ghost and be well and give testimony and be healed by the power of the Holy Ghost. You that's sinful, maybe you've been drinking, smoking, gambling, say, I can't give them up. Yes, you can. Submit to God one time. Just yield yourself one time, your whole self to God, and watch what takes place. That's the secret. Submit to God. As we heard, the danger of an unsurrendered heart. Surrendered. Let's bow our heads. Maybe tonight you're in your room alone. Things have been going the wrong way. Spirits trying to come and haunt you. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And right now that spirit that's got a hold of you, he's leaving. In the name of Jesus Christ. You're free. You don't have to be bound no longer. You don't have to stay pinned down by that devil. His power is broke. Don't fear him. It's over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Submit yourself to God and you'll forget it. Your sins or in the seal of his forgetfulness he remembers them no more he knows all about it your troubles your struggle your struggles your situations he knows give it to him say God is too big for me here it is Lord don't stagger at the promise just let him take care of it let him move. Father, may your word find us more tonight. Help us, Lord. Help me, Father, to submit myself to you. To resist the devil. To yield every fiber of my being to you, Lord. Any abilities, anything, I lay it at your feet. God, I ask, Lord, that you just move in hearts. You hear the heart cry, Father. You heard Georgie Carter's cry. It sounded like a little lamb caught in a bush. And you sent the prophet of God there to that place in the middle of the most unbelieving people, trying to keep it from happening, the very deliver, trying to keep the very deliverance from taking place. But Satan didn't have enough. Your angels of God broke through anyhow. The Spirit of God moved anyway and brought deliverance to that young girl to where she could testify in her elder years, I believe in the power of a living God. Lord, may the hearts cry be tonight. I can. I will. I do believe. God grant it tonight, we pray. Bless your people. Bless each heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. He's passing by this moment. Your needs to supply. Reach out and 
touch the Lord as He. Maybe we just want to reach out and give it to Him right now. So, Lord, I give it to You. Reach out and touch the Lord. That's what that woman did with that blood issue. She reached out and gave it to Him. Oh, you'll find He's not too busy. 